Welcome to the Principles of Success, Season 2, Episode, Health Episode 7. And today we are talking about the brain, or the mind. And I could ramble on about this subject in super minute detail and just be totally geeking out. But I'm going to try and keep it simple and easy to understand because I want you guys to actually know what the heck I'm talking about and not have me just be talking over your heads. Some of you might know more about it than others, so I'm just going to try and keep it simple and practical so that way you can actually use the information to be more successful. So the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that the brain is not the only brain that you have in your body. What I mean by that is the nervous system, or what I mean by that is the gut, essentially. The gut has a whole bunch of similar characteristics to the brain, and the heart actually has some similar characteristics to the brain. That's the reason why we have phrases like gut instinct or broken heart. The heart doesn't just pump blood. It has some other functions that kind of help with signals and chemical productions and kind of just regulating the body. Same with the gut. So those three things, the brain is the main one, which is why the main focus is the brain. But for instance, serotonin, which we'll talk about in a second, majority of the serotonin that your body produces actually comes from the gut, not the brain. But we call it a brain chemical. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. There's more to brain health than just the actual physical brain. But with that, that out of the way, let's talk about the brain. So the brain is essentially a bunch of fat that is a supercomputer. That's what the brain is. It's a bunch of, it has about the consistency of butter because it's based, because it's just fat that has electric waves pulsating through it all the time, sending signals throughout your whole body and is responsible for pretty much all of your existence. So... If it's that important, I would think that we would want to take better care of it than we do. It's also extremely fragile because it has the consistency of butter and it, it, its protective case is very pokey. The skull is a bunch of different bones kind of smashed together and wherever they meet, they create all these sharp ridge lines that can cut and damage your brain. That's why head trauma is extremely bad. And because the brain's main material of function is actually fat that's why making sure you're eating the proper fats and that's why animal protein is a brain food is super important i talked about it a little bit a few weeks back but when you eat the man-made oils that we eat a ton of especially in america your brain will try and use those oils to build cells that then are part of your brain and it's essentially like trying to put a part into any type of machinery that isn't the actual part that it's supposed to go to. It might work, it might function decently, but it can cause problems. And a lot of health problems and mental problems comes from us essentially, our brains essentially trying to build itself out of mismatched parts. So that's why you need to focus on trying to avoid the a lot of the cooking oils and processed foods that we consume. And in put them in favor of actual fats and actual oils that our brain is supposed to use to build itself. So just to rehash on what that is, um, the toxic oils for your brain are things like Pam, cooking spray, cooking oil, canola oil, vegetable oil. Most of your plant-based oils are really bad. Coconut oil's not bad. 
olive oil is not bad if it's natural if it's a natural oil that you get from a naturally oily plant like olives or coconuts there's not really that much bad things in fact there's a lot of health benefits to especially coconut oil which we'll talk about in a sec but when we try and make oil from plants that or from seeds that aren't actually natural sources of oil that's when we get into problems and the main reason is because of omegas to just put it into kind of layman terms there's a lot more minute detail to it but we've all heard of omega-3s omega-3s are are the main reason why fish is healthy or we consider fish healthy and a lot of and our brain uses omega-3s to build itself a lot of the other oils and other fatty substances that we use in place of animal fats and things like that are still omegas but they are omega-6s and omega-6s by themselves aren't necessarily bad we do need omega-6s and i'm just going off at the top of my head i don't remember the exact ratio but we're supposed to have like 10 to 1 ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 the average american if i remember correctly is not only reverse of that but much more extreme it's like 30 um it's a ratio of 30 to 1 of omega-6 to omega-3 and that is the main cause of a lot of our mental problems the other one being gut health but those fats are super important like I said I could ramble on and on and on about the brain but I'm gonna try and squeeze a whole bunch of information in in a very tight episode so we're just gonna move on from there making sure you have the right fats in your diet is important next let's talk about the brain chemicals so there's really there's a wide range of brain chemicals and a lot of subcategories of those brain chemicals. But the main ones that a lot of people will recognize is serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins, catecholines, the famous one being adrenaline, and cortisol. So let's just talk about them real quick. Serotonin is kind of the happiness, the base happiness chemical. It's just that kind of overall feeling of good mood. And like I mentioned earlier, serotonin is actually mostly produced in the gut, which we'll talk about more in a sec. Dopamine is the reward chemical. Dopamine makes you feel good. The problem with dopamine is it is also highly, highly addictive. Any addictive behavior or substance, the reason why it's addictive is because it releases a bunch of dopamine. And our society is a very overly saturated dopamine environment. And just due to how the human body works, we the human body is very adaptive. So when we flood our brain with dopamine, it, the brain's natural defense to that is to try and limit the number of receptors, which are kind of, their job is to absorb the dopamine and actually utilize them. The, the brain's response to an overabundance of dopamine is to actually limit the receptors. So just to put it into a more layman's kind of analogy, when you eat a bunch of sugar, the natural sweetness in vegetables and fruit doesn't taste as good. And when you limit the amount of sugar, the natural sweetness comes out because it's the same effect of the body. It limits the amount that you can absorb. So dopamine is highly addictive and any addiction is dopamine based. Dopamine is what gets released when you cross off something on your to-do list. Dopamine is the motivation chemical. So dopamine has its job, but we do a whole lot of things that dump way too much dopamine into our body. Catecholines or adrenaline is kind of your energizer chemicals. They're the things that give you energies. And when you have an overabundance of them, that's where burnout happens and 
adrenal fatigue and all of those things happen because you've been going, 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 and your body is like, hold up, we need to rest. And if I remember correctly, caffeine, which is a neurotoxin, what it does is it blocks the receptors for those catecholines. And when you block the receptors, your body doesn't get the signal that it's actually tired. Endorphins are the pain masking chemicals. That's why when you run, you don't feel in pain, but like 20 minutes after, you're like, oh, man, I, my legs hurt. Oxytocin is the kind of the love and joy chemical. It is we crave oxytocin. Oxytocin is also fairly addictive. So when you feel love, when you feel important and like a, the sense of belonging, that's all oxytocin. And then cortisol is the kind of the stress chemical. That is the, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And cortisol in itself is not bad. You need to be stressed sometimes. Stress is not a bad thing. The problem with cortisol is in our kind of our natural habitat, you don't have a lot of stress all of the time. You have no stress, and then when you're in danger, you have a lot of stress. In modern society, we have very baseline stress all of the time. We're always stressed. And so your body's constantly producing cortisol. Well, when your body's producing cortisol, it stops other functions because the energy for cortisol has to come from somewhere. And I, the analogy I really like is when you're in danger, your fingernails don't need to grow. So your brain shuts off the fingernail growth of function of your body to produce cortisol to make sure that you're ready to go and ready to fight. So acute stress is extremely bad, not acute, chronic stress is extremely bad for, I guess it is acute, acute and chronic stress is extremely bad for long-term health. And so you need to make sure that you're not stressed on a constant basis. And the episode's already getting kind of long and there's still more things that I want to talk about for the brain. So let's move on. Let's talk about neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is the science that the brain can actually change. The best way to, the best analogy for neuroplasticity is think of your brain as kind of like a bunch of different roads, a bunch of different trails and pathways. When you do something consecutively, when there's a lot of traffic on one particular road, it goes from a kind of like a grassy field to a dirt road to maybe we'll pave it or put some gravel down and then pave it, put some traffic controls, and it'll become very distinct that that is a road, that is a pathway. And when you don't use a pathway, over time it'll become overgrown and trees will grow up and kind of you won't even be, really be able to tell that that's a pathway. Well, our brain functions essentially the same way. The different connections in the brain form pathways. And when you do a habit over and over and over again, it drills into the brain that that is the kind of sequence of operation that you should take. So if you have a habit, that's due to the brain. The neuroplasticity part is the idea that that is actually changeable. You just have to consciously choose to take the more overgrown path instead of the easy path. So just to go back to addictions, addictions are really hard to quit because the healthy habit is all overgrown and is like a dirt path. And then the addictive habit is like a super highway. And human beings are, their natural instinct is to conserve energy. So why would you do this harder, healthier option when I can just go full speed down this highway? But over time, as you consciously choose to take the 
other path instead of the easy path, that easy path will get overgrown and trees will grow and it'll become less and less predominant, whereas the other path becomes more and more predominant. So the main takeaway from this section is that it'll be hard, especially at first, but as you keep going, it'll get easier and easier. And that's kind of the principle of the start or um, momentum. As you continue down the path, it'll get easier and easier. And the last thing I wanted to talk about today is gut health. So I've mentioned it a couple of times already, but the gut is essentially the second brain. It has a lot of the same characteristics as your brain, and it does a lot of the jobs that we attribute to the brain, but it does, the gut does. So serotonin, which I mentioned, is the happiness chemical. Majority of it is produced by your gut. So if you're feeling kind of like crap, your gut might be the quickest, healing your gut might be the quickest way to make you feel better. So what even is the gut? The gut is part of the digestive system. So some signs that your gut health might be in trouble is if you have stomach problems, weight problems, sleep problems, autoimmune or food intolerances. If you've been chronically stressed for a prolonged period of time, one of the things that is damaged by the cortisol drip is your gut. And then the, the biggest thing that damages your gut is grains. That's why I have grains as a poison food on when we talked about foods a few weeks back. Actually, I guess it's a few months back at this point. And part of that is due to gluten, which damages the cell walls. But the other part of that is it feeds bat. It you have a microbiome, and the gut is full of the microbiome. That's where majority of microbiome is essentially bacteria. And bacteria does a lot of things for us. And there's good bacteria and bad bacteria. Grains feed bad bacteria. Just to put it simply. And when we talk about probiotics and antibiotics and things biotics, it is we're referring to the microbiome in your body. In fact, another one of the main causes of our mental health problems is the over prescription of antibiotics. Antibiotics are super important. They kill diseases. They also kill good bacteria though, which causes problems. So making sure your gut is healthy and feeding it feeding those bacterial colonies food that they can actually use the good ones can actually use and not the bad ones, then you will improve your health drastically. So what are some of the things that you can feed your microbiome? Probiotics is a supplement and prebiotics a lot of times are supplements as well. And then there's food sources that you can do that are probiotic and prebiotic. That's where um, yogurt, natural yogurt that hasn't been pasteurized, that is, has colonies in them, that's a probiotic. A lot of fermented stuff is related to that as well. But for the most part, when you eat vegetables and meat, you're up naturally feeding them anyway. And just to point out the gut's health benefits on mental problems, bipolar is not a mental problem. It is a gut problem. So just to kind of go through the sequence of what bipolar is, bipolar is a mental problem that comes from the body's inability to properly regulate the production of brain chemicals, specifically dopamine and serotonin, and is constantly overcorrecting, which is why you get those massive mood swings where one period of time they might be manic and have so much energy and need like two hours of sleep and think they're think they're Jesus, they're God walking on water and they feel fantastic and they're burning themselves up. And then another period of time they are they need like 15 hours of sleep and are depressed and are suicidal and 
stuff like that. Because the during the manic phase, they're producing an overabundance of serotonin and dopamine. And during the depression phase, they've basically burned out the body's ability to produce those, and so they have nothing, and so they're miserable. Well, the reason behind that is they don't have the omega-3s that they need, which is why taking omega-3 supplements helps with bipolar. Well, the reason why the body's not producing the omega-3s that you need to kind of regulate that is because the microbiome in your gut is all messed up. So when you can heal the gut and get that microbiome fixed, bipolar can go away. I put putting can very purposely there because my bipolar went away real easy once I got the correct probiotics into my system. People with bipolar who have taken the exact same product have not had the exact same effects. It can help, it can sometimes not, but again, everybody's body is extremely different. So just because the particular probiotics that I took that helped me heal my, heal my gut doesn't mean that that exact probiotics will help other people. And just to kind of point it out, it's plexus, and I actually will talk about it more if I haven't already talked about it in the um, herbal section of this season, so the herbal episodes. But that is a perfect example of why gut health is so important. We, most of the time we think that mental diseases can't be fixed because a lot of the medical field in mental diseases only focuses on the brain and doesn't talk about the gut. That has been changing over the last decade or so, but the problem, one of the biggest problems with health is we move so slowly because the human body is complex. I know a lot about it more than most people, but I still know very little about the human body. It is a super, super complex machine. And I really need to end this episode, so I'm just going to throw this last little bit in. Um, bone broth, which is one of the exceptions that a lot of vegans will make because it has so many health benefits. Bone broth helps heal, heal the gut from damage to the lining, which is caused by gluten damage, essentially, to put it simply. Um, bone broth helps heal that damaged lining to make sure that you have that blood-brain barrier and so you don't have kind of like spillage that happens to cause all sorts of problems. If you understood what the heck I just said there, good. If not, just remember that if you're trying to heal your gut and trying to improve your mental capabilities, bone broth is a sesh, uh, is beneficial and I'll talk about more about that in the herbal episodes as well. With that, I'm going to end that here for today and I will see you all next week.